On this episode of the Peter Panda Podcast, I'm joined by my Texas Colfest brother, Patrick Mackey. We just wrapped up a wonderful week of elk and deer hunting here in southwest Montana, and this recap was so much fun to relive with Patrick. It's always special when friends you've met elsewhere in the world later come and visit you on your home turf, where you can show them everything you've been telling them about for years. Patrick's elk and muley were both hard-earned, and I really hope you enjoy joining us on this adventure. So listen up. It's finally November, and the kills are starting to add up here in Montana. What, you got their Miller Lite? Yeah. Wonderful. Whose are those? I don't know. They were in the fridge. (laughs) I don't know whose they are either. (laughs) Sun shining finally. Yeah. Yesterday, it was not. Very nasty day. Very. And I kept saying to you, I was like, this is what March is like in Montana. It was warm, upwards of 50 degrees, wet, foggy, cloudy, just all around nasty. And... um. I said, if you if you can enjoy or survive March in Montana, you'd love the other eleven months. It was it was a very it it would not be a good time to come visit Austin. That's or or Bozeman. Bozeman. It, well, but sure. you are because you're bringing your boy out we here. Are. To look we're we're going to come back and and um try to convince him. Well, Pete's going to try to convince him. Yeah. to come, come here. Well, it's going to be a hard sell in March. That's what I keep getting. <laughs> Should have brought him now. <laughs> All right, Mr. Patrick Mackey, my brother from the Lone Star State. We uh, we became friends three, four years ago. Yep, yep, four years. Tell tell me that story. <clears throat> so, I've been going to Coal Fest down in South Texas now for, I think I think Pete figured it out. This will be my eighth year going, mm-hmm. um, and so this will be Pete's fourth year going now, um, and so. You know, I've been going enough that they they have some trust in me, and so um, if there's somebody new that's showing up, uh, a lot of times they'll stick me with somebody new just to make sure that we can trust them. Yeah, a little bit of a mentorship. Yeah, yeah. So uh, fortunately slash unfortunately, (laughs) he he got stuck with me when he first showed up, and can't back up now, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So I was quote unquote Pete's coach when he first showed up. You were. Um, and you know, ever since then, we've uh, we've had a strong connection. We've really enjoyed each other's company and um, um, spend a lot of time trying to shoot together. They they try to separate us now down there as much as they can. They do. They try to rip us apart, and we we don't let them do it always. Nope, we don't because the years have gone by, and we've both been identified as killers, which are people during the call fest that they can rely upon to stack some numbers up and that's our job that's our job that's, that's why we go and if you don't know what call fest is back up to uh late episode in season one of this here podcast where i sat down with ben binion the ranch manager of said ranch where we do this calling of whitetail and uh check that out to learn more about call fest it's an incredible experience and we're both lucky to be a part of it yes we are but that's how we met. And, you know, kind of sight unseen, blind date status, went into a uh, box stand in Texas and just hit it off with each other and been real good friends ever since. And from day one, I was like, man, you got to come to Montana. You got to come to Montana and you got to hunt deer and elk with me. And you, I pitched this to everybody in Texas, but you more than anyone were like, I'm in. How do we make that happen? Yep. 
and I got you applying for points and getting into the lottery system and getting into the annual application period. And you didn't draw your first time. No, no. Which was two years ago. Correct. But lo and behold, 2023, draw results come out, and by God, Patrick Mackey gets a deer elk non-resident combo. And here we are. Exactly. Here we are. It's amazing. I hate to say it, but it's like it's o- it's over. It is. I mean, we still got 24 hours together, 48 hours together, but you you got the job done quickly. Spoiler alert. Uh, and if you follow anything I do on social media, you already seen this. Patrick killed a beautiful six by six bull. His first night here. Day I arrived. Not not. We gotta even- tell. We'll tell that story. But then last night. He puts the icing on the cake and shoots this studly three-point mule deer buck with proper eye guards right at last light. And you, you came to Montana to fill two tags. You shot two bullets at two animals and did it. Yeah. It's just so wonderful. I, could, I, I wanted this to go well. You're the first homie from Texas to come up here and do this with me. And I, for so many reasons, just like wanted it to go well and be a great hunt and a great experience for you and to have fun with you. And I don't know if we could have done it any better. We couldn't. And, you know, I haven't been hunting very long. I haven't been doing this uh, very long. I love it. Um, And this was a trip of a lifetime for me. It really was. That's awesome. it's It's been amazing. So let's back up to... Last Sunday. Yeah. Last Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Tell me about your day. So, it, it you know, typically what I like to do is take the first flight of the day, right? The first flight of the day, you typically, there's not going to be delays. There's not going to be issues. You're going to make your connections, whatever. You know, flying from, from Austin, Texas to um, with a connection, there's always an issue. Um, later in the day, it usually gets worse. And so, Dang airlines. Yeah. So, I, you know, I had an 8.30 first flight out of the day out of Austin, connections in Dallas. Um, get to the airport, everything's great. Fly through security, sitting there. Um, about the time boarding starts, the, the guy comes on the, 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 the loudspeaker and says, well, there's, there's bad weather in Dallas, so our flight's delayed an hour. And so Dallas I, is your layover. Dallas is my layover. And I have an hour and 15 minutes of a connection. Immediately, you're like, I'm going to miss this connection. Exactly. And so run down to where I've got to try to figure out where connections are and how to change flights. And turns out that the only thing is they're going to put me on another airline and I'm not going to get in until about 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. Um, so you went from like making it to the airport on time, setting off on this adventure, you know, smooth sailing, everything's going good to immediately spike stress levels. I'm going to miss a layover. I, th- this is all, this is all going bad. Exactly. Um, so I'm sitting. We there. all been there. We've yes. We've all been there. We've all been there. And I, uh, you know, I was accepting of the fact that uh, you know I'm going to be here for for almost ten days, so we'll we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, luckily, another another passenger on the plane comes running down to where everybody is now standing in line to try to make their connections. So they they sent you to a new gate. They're like, hey, this this ain't looking good. R- run down there and see if they can help you. Exactly. Um, and so nobody comes over the loudspeaker, but luckily this passenger runs down and says, 
they're boarding our flight right now. The original one. The original flight. Um, so we all run back over there. We get on our flight. It's only about 10 minutes late leaving for some strange reason. Um, and flight takes off. We make it. We're only about running 10 minutes late. So Nothing. no issue getting into Dallas, getting to our, my connection, and making it into Bozeman. Boy, so you had some, like, unnecessary stress spike right there in the morning. Very beginning for no reason. For no reason. Yeah. Turns out you caught the original flight, you made your connection in Dallas, and you landed in Montana at about 1 p.m. Yep. where our story begins. And it's, as we're landing, it's snowing. I mean, it's it's yes. coming from 80 degrees to snow is a very different, very different world. If you've been anywhere in the North American West in the last week, you're aware that a large snowstorm hit the majority of the Rocky Mountains last week. And you showed up right on the heels of it. Right. Right on the heels of it. Right. I mean, it was a winter wonderland. It, the day you got here, it, you could have told somebody it was February 10th. It was cold. We had a lot of snow on the ground. And if you know anything about deer and elk hunting, pretty good recipe. Right. It was. <clears throat> so we get we, we get off the plane. Uh, I get up. I connect with Pete. Get all my stuff. Connect with Pete. Um, we go grab some lunch. Um, and in my yeah, mind. Shouts out Bridger Brewery. That's right. It's amazing. Great spot. Great spot. Um, you know, in my mind at that point, it's we're going to we're going to go go get to the lodge. We're going to just sort of get settled in, have dinner, get fired up for the morning. Um, but but instead, Pete's got very, very different uh, agenda for us. Well, yeah, you know, sleep when you're dead. Uh, we knew collectively, the guides here, uh, knew where some elk were. And so, by God, if there's an opportunity to squeeze in an evening hunt, even if We've got to kind of race around, and you're tired. I'm gonna make try to make that happen. And he did. He did. So, tell me, tell me about how that worked out. We got got to the lodge, and then what did we do? Got to the lodge. He said, uh, "Unload your stuff, get dressed. We're rolling." Um, <laughs> so we did. We uh, we got dressed. He told me to wear that, not wear this. And um, yeah, we had a nice wardrobe uh, exchange there. It was like it was like playing dress up for uh, <laughs> dudes who elk hunt. You laid out all your gear that you brought with you. I was like, this, 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 not this, not this, this, this. I'll get boots for you. <laughs> and and then we we put it on and we headed out. What well, it had to have been about what three four o'clock? Yeah, I think so. And shooting light was probably in the ballpark of like six forty five. Six forty five was I think was last shot. Roughly, in yeah. that time frame, within five minutes plus or minus. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we head out, we head out to where we're, where we're looking to hunt, um, hooked up with the other guides out there who had been spotting, um, which was key to us even, even having a, a location to go. Yeah. We owe, we owe a lot of our success this week to the, the teamwork of the team of guides here for both, for both of our hunts, honestly. Yeah. And it was nice this morning returning the favor mm -hmm. when we went out and and uh, turned up a herd of elk, and we're able to rendezvous with everyone at lunch, and hopefully that pans out for a good evening hunt for these guys. Right. But they did us a solid. Uh, they knew we were coming back in from town, from the airport, and we knew where some bulls were. They camped on them and confirmed them all day. Yep. So we basically rolled up, guns blazing, 
not not actually, but uh, rolled up and was like, "Yep, they're right where they were this morning." You just got to go climb this mountain, and it was climbing a mountain, that's for sure. So tell me about that. So, you know, I I checked when it was all said and done. I mean, it was we parked the truck, um, and Pete was like, "We're we're starting here, and we're going up to that point right there." And it was not. It, it was didn't not, look bad. Not from where they were spotting, but by the time we got to the bottom and started to look up, it didn't look very friendly. The, that's mount, for sure. the mountain grows the closer you get to it. Yeah, and I would say that the last. 250 yards where um there was multiple times there where i i said to myself that i'm not i i can't i can't go any further mentally mentally well you ain't never say it out loud to me which is great because i kept telling you we're you're doing so good we're gonna get up we're gonna get a shot we just got it's right there we're almost there we're almost there i don't know if he was lying to me or not but it it kept me moving that's for sure technically you're always almost there Technically, it's just right there. It is. It's no matter right how far. So, you know, it we we put the work in, and we made it all the way up to the top. Um, Pete got us set up on, on what they were calling Sniper's Lookout. Yeah, there's this little rocky outcropping. So, uh, back up, a little backstory. We could not see the herd of elk for the final hour and a half climb. Like there was a mount, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, but we had to go kind of dark uh, out of sight of the elk and climb up the hillside in front of where the elk were on the mountain. So long story short, as you're climbing for an hour and about to puke, you're just like living on a prayer. Yep. And like hope they're still there. Yep. Sure hope they're still there. I think Patrick's going to puke. I sure hope they're still there. <laughs> Lo and behold, we get to the rocky outcropping, and we call it one of our sniper roosts, and there they are. And there they are. 330 yards away. Yeah. Most of the herd bedded. Yep. They were pretty much all bedded down. Um, Pete got the rifle all set up. Um, he's like, you know, get comfortable, find them. Um, yeah, and this was, this was a really interesting chapter for me because I see you – crawl you know you belly crawl out you're gonna shoot prone Mm -hmm. guns already out on these rocks on the bipod scopes dialed correctly i'm like just slide up just just belly crawl up there get comfortable on the gun find the bull no rush and that's when i realized you were a lefty yep so all of a sudden i see you orienting yourself on this rifle like some kind of acrobat i'm like whoa okay He's left eye dominant. And then, and then I had flashbacks to hunting with you in Texas. And I was like, I knew that. I've shot his <laughs> rifles before. <laughs> and uh, so it was, you were a bit awkward. Very. Craw- crawling You're on being top. being nice. It was very awkward. Crawling on that rifle, getting on that rifle, trying to acquire the target. Right. And um, cows started to slowly stand up, you know, call it 25 elk. Mm-hmm. One or two cows start standing up, looking our way. If you've been in this situation before, you know you are on borrowed time. It's just a matter of time before this whole herd gets up. They're smarter than we are, and they know something's wrong. Cows start to get up, and I'm like, you got to find the bull. You got to find the bull. You got the bull. Have you you got him in your scope? And No. 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 And I was like, Patrick, pick the gun up. Push the gun 
two feet in front of you in pancake flat. And that ironed out all the, the all crinkles it. in your setup there. All of it. All soon of a sudden, you As soon as we did that, I could see through the scope. Immediately. Everything was clear. You're like, got him. I found the bull. As soon as I did that, we went from 4X to 25X right on him. But he was bedded. He was bedded. And you could just see what? You could really just see his head and his antlers. That's all. So Looking we, around. We wanted him to stand up. Yep. So after I confirmed several times that you were on the bull, you you were on the bull. I have once we got there, I was so confident in what would happen next. But we did have one final scare to where it's gonna get dark really soon, so I need this herd to stand up right now. So I have this questionable idea of howling like a wolf. And I ripped a couple of my best wolf howls in an area where there's really not wolves regularly. Probably sounded like a coyote. And cows start getting up pretty quick. And then cows start getting up, not just getting up, but jumping up, like out of their beds, running. And I'm like, oh, that may have been a little bit too much hot sauce on that one. <laughs> like this, I, don't, I wanted them to stand up. I didn't want them to fly away. Right. And I gra- you had your earmuffs on, which I know now has a microphone in them. Right. And you could hear me. Yes. And I grab your calf. I grab your leg. And I'm like, hey, as soon as he stands up, you have to shoot him. Like, because he might get out of his bed at a full run. And like, as soon as you got crosshairs on his chest, you got to take the shot. And I didn't know if you had heard me or not. I heard him. And he was, in in hindsight, looking back, you could realize that he was – he was basically straight on to me. He was looking around and all I could see was his head. But as soon as he stood up, I could see that he was squared up on me. And as soon as he took one step to his left and quartered up, pulled the trigger. Boom. And I, I got my hands against my ears because I don't want the muzzle break to give me an aneurysm. And through my hands, I hear the whop. And I'm like, hit one of them. (laughs) You you hit one of them. But honestly, as a guide, it's a bit of a stressful moment where it's like there's 30 elk running around each other out there. Like, get the binos up. I see all these cows going uphill and a six-point bull rolling down the hill. Yeah. It's like, you you did it. He tried to get up a time or two. He did. Stay on him. Shoot him again. Shoot him again. And within 20 seconds, he was – Dead, dead. Yeah, so we squared back up on him just to make sure all he ever really could do was put his front legs in front of him, and that was he could never get himself back up. And instead of, you know, instead of pulling another one off on him, I just wanted to make sure that that um, the job was done, and it it, it was done pretty but, fast. But you never had to take that second Correct. shot. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, we made our way over to him. Yeah. And things are getting cold now. It, so we're as soon as we were done, I, I got cold. You took your gloves off to shoot. Yeah. And I saw you playing in the sandbox over there on the rifle, like snow everywhere. Yeah. I was like, he probably doesn't feel it right now, but this is the beginning of frostbite on his hands. <laughs> and you said later you didn't feel anything until the bull was dead and immediately all that sweat and all that all that snow on your hands hit you hard and it hit hard it hit me hard i was sweaty too it, i got from 
completely comfortable warm to shivering, freezing. Funny how that works. No time. Yeah. Well, we made our way over to the bull. Just enough light left to get a couple quick photos. Yep. Make a couple calls to the other guides to see where everyone's at. And um, it quickly became apparent that the best option was going to be to tag this elk, gut this elk, open him wide open, and leave him for the night and come back at first light to pack him out. Um, the temperatures that night, I think it w- went single digit. It did, yeah. So we came back the next day to a damn iceberg. We did. He was he was solid. And tell me about our original idea of getting him out. So you know we had well, we had a brilliant idea. You know he's on the he's on a pretty steep part of this this hill. This pretty mountain. steep hill, but plagued with sagebrush. Sagebrush. Pretty but darn there was, steep. There was some snow, and so you know our thought was let's let's go ahead and you know we'll we'll take his head off, we'll we'll put that on the pack, we'll take his body. You know, cut cut, his, cut cut the rest of his legs off so that he's basically ready to be quartered up. Yeah, at the hawks. Um, and then just put him on this sled. Big, big pelican sled. Big, big thick sled. plastic. Yeah. You know, like like uh, farm sled. Right. And we're just going to strap him down, and he's just going to he's gonna take the trip of his life, and he's going he's gonna to just roll right down to the bottom of the hill, yeah. bottom of the mountain, and hit the truck right there. I'm going to – preface the rest of this by saying this is one of the dumbest things i feel like i've done in a long time like one of those things where like this is gonna either be like the coolest smartest thing we do all season or like the most embarrassing dumb failure of a pack out and the the latter uh transpired it was the latter yeah we tried we ratcheted that thing into that sled and said see ya and pushed the sled and it went about three feet, hit a sagebrush, and just stopped. <laughs> and we played that game for 30 minutes. N- and then finally, some reality and some common sense set in. And we said, forget this. Yeah. We, he needs to get out of the sled. But there, the, good, the good part of that is that there was, there was four of us. There was. So um, we could team up and um, basically get him out. Um, and, and the other positive is that we are heading down versus up. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, it gets a lot worse than that. Yeah, that was could have been a lot worse. It could have. Well, we got your elk out. Yep. The butcher's got it processed in like 48 hours for you. Yeah. You're about to go back to Texas with three coolers full of meat. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. The family's, the, the family's fired up about that. I love that. I love that uh, your family's into eating wild game, and I've – eavesdropped on several phone calls this week with you with your friends and colleagues and stuff and be like I, i'll give you some meat when i get back and I, I think that's one of the greatest rewards of hunting yeah is to share share in the in the you know the meat we get at the end so yeah um that was incredible so in one day you went from having airline trouble in austin texas to climbing a mountain and fighting off frostbite and tagging your first bull elk in Montana. Yep. One day. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing 24 hours. Not even 24. Yeah. I almost feel bad that I don't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fast paced. It was. Happened quick. It was it, it was a very uh, unique, um, one-of-a-kind kind of 
opportunity. It may have happened quickly in the sense that it was our first night of hunting, but by no means, by no stretch of the imagination, was that easy. Right. No, it was not. Like, it was a two-and-a-half-hour, two-hour climb up over 2,000 vertical feet. It was. In half a foot plus of fresh snow. You had crap boots on. (laughs) I don't know what you were wearing. We don't have to name drop them. (laughs) But I will say, after that evening, you've been wearing Schnee boots ever since. And they've been amazing. Yeah. And uh, you you earned it. I mean, you, you... really worked for elk elk should be earned and it may have happened quickly in one evening hunt but by god you almost died trying to do it (laughs) which is good that's that's the way elk hunt should go right most hunts you know so congrats on your bull yeah thank you he's a he's a stud six by six he's got a little kicker off his left royal yeah some good mass dark horned ivory tipped Six point, and you're Euro mounting him. Yes, and he will live proudly in your Texas home. That's right. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I can't wait. I was surprised by how fast taxidermists said they'd get it to you. I I was too, honestly. Three months. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean that's great. So, after we thumped that elk, we have uh, your deer tag now to focus on. That's right. Yeah. And we opted to travel about five hours away to another piece of leased ground we can hunt and try to hunt mule deer in central Montana. So we did. We didn't slow down at all. You know, maybe we caught a shower and a couple hours of sleep, but we just kept kept turning the wheels. We did. And I, and I would say that the weather still hadn't turned yet. It was still pretty cold and yeah, really cold and uh, you know it, the interesting thing about coming to montana is that there the road maintenance here is 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 a little interesting define interesting well you know <laughs> reckless reckless is probably <laughs> a better way to describe it like all right uh, if you're not familiar with montana roads we don't use salt we plow when we have to and when they can get to it and besides that, there's a lot of like rural independence, like take care of yourself and help help each other out. Right. So it was, I mean, I was just a passenger, but I, I think that Pete would probably tell you that it was a little bare knuckled getting, getting to point our final destination. Yeah, it was patchy. It was packed snow and ice on the highway the whole way there. Uh, it was a little white knuckled driving. Yeah. What's normally about a four-hour drive took us probably seven. Right. And the whole time, you're just expecting to die at any second. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't. We, we didn't. We made it. We made it. We made it. Tell me about a couple of days of deer hunting we had out there. So it was, it was a very different world out there, but it was gorgeous. It was it different was ecosystem. Different ecosystem. I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that mm-hmm. um but a beautiful beautiful place mm-hmm. um and so uh we did we did a bunch of a bunch of hiking around um which was you know it certainly wasn't two thousand vertical feet of straight up climbing um so it was it was kind of one of those experiences where you know i think that we put in probably our first hike was probably 
six to eight miles, something yeah. like that. Sure. Um, but it's it's the kind of it's the kind of experience where you're climbing a couple hundred feet and then kind of stop and you glass for. 30 minutes or 15 minutes and then kind of move on and it's at the end of that hike it's still a proper uh effort but uh it's more digestible right than we have to go 2,000 vertical feet up right now no time to waste you catch your breath if you have to right it's a different type of hiking right more enjoyable (laughs) and you know i would say that we saw a lot of deer oh my goodness so so many deer i i've been i last year i went to new mexico and we went on and i did a mule deer hunt there um and it was a very different experience that was was kind of mountainous though wasn't it more mountains uh less deer so i think that probably over the span of the trip we probably saw i don't know maybe 15 deer total more mountains less deer that could be like on an idaho license plate (laughs) (laughs) but anyways in new mexico you saw how many deer? Uh, I'd say we probably saw 15, maybe 20 deer total. Doing a lot of hiking now? A lot of hiking. A lot of hiking. I think that I think that it was probably more in the 12-mile-a-day a kind of range. Sending it. Yeah. How'd it go? You know, I, I we uh, we got on a herd of, of, um, of buck that we uh, ended up, two of us were together, and we both, we both came home with a buck deer. Cool. Which was a great. It was a great experience. Your first mule deer. It was my first mule deer. Yes. And um, it's about it's called a three by three, maybe. Or I think it was a three by two. Three by two. Yeah. 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 Medium sized deer. Medium sized deer. Um, great, great first mule deer for sure. Yeah, another one that you really worked for. Right. Yeah, I love that that these hunts interest you. And I think that the 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 work is what what I, it really intrigues me. Yeah, you know? I think that there is there is something about sitting in a blind and you know there's deer that come in and we're trying to to cull the herd. Someone else did a ton of work for us to enjoy that exactly sit. Yeah. Um, and this is a complete opposite version of that. We're putting the work in to uh, yeah. appreciate the the ult- ultimate goal. You earning it right here, right now. Exactly. No other way to get one. Right. So was uh, our central Montana deer hunting similar to last year? Different. It was quite a bit different because there were so many more deer. It was quite a bit different because we had a lot more deer. In Let me just get ahead of this. We saw a lot of deer and little to no bucks. Yeah. So if you were curious if the rut had started it had not. in Montana yet or not, it has not. No, not at all. So it's a bit frustrating because you find that bait ball. Mm-hmm. We're seeing does. We're turning up does everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in three weeks from now, it'd be a gold mine. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't. And we weren't seeing, you know, you see young young bucks here and there. We saw a very interesting couple deer. We did. Those? And, uh, you know, I, I'm not very educated on this, so I'll let Pete kind of explain him to you. But it was very, like these, I think we ultimately saw four that were like this. Correct. Um, and something that I'd never seen before. Was that right? Yeah. You hadn't? No. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but not, never seen it. And what was it? Um, it was fairly mature deer that were pretty much in velvet stags, long stags. So what that means 
if you're not familiar with what a stag is, is, uh, you know, maybe with Europe and like the red stag being the exception to this, uh, in North America, when we use the term stag, it often means the testicles of this buck are missing or damaged. And as a result of that, he grows these weird permanent antlers that I believe he never sheds and they live in this weird spongy state. They're often very non-typical and ugly um, and in velvet. Mm-hmm. I have seen it prevalently in Alaska on Sitka black-tailed deer, which someone once told me they trace that back to and attribute that to the does who birth these bucks eating sea kelp off the beach and some enzyme in the sea kelp causes their male offspring to have some twisted up or no nuts. And it creates, and in Alaska we call them cryptoichids. We call them cactus bucks, stags, cryptoichids. I had never seen one. I'd never seen a mule deer version of this. And we seen three or four. We saw three running together. Yeah, they were like a little stag gang. Yeah, it was weird. The one was cool. Yeah, because he had one of one of his one of his sides had a bunch of just trash at the bottom of it, kind of growing out with. Which it. is typical of these cryptoichids. This to have that like cactusy, knobby knobby, a bunch of base kickers and stuff, and all velvet. Yeah. And then he had this like two foot dagger. Yeah weird and a big fork but blatantly in velvet and blatantly a stag yeah it's just so weird that we saw four of them yeah yeah it was weird well we didn't shoot it no my homie jeremy rusink in alaska mm-hmm. i think i told you this yeah loves them in the sitka blacktail yeah he's got like seven or eight of them and they're most of them are like proper deer they're like big blacktail yeah but they're Cryptoichids. He would have loved these. He and I shot one together once, and this thing came tomahawking down the hill and, uh, like, pitchforked its staggy antlers in the tundra and continued to roll. It broke off, like, seven times <laughs> because they're they're an unfinished antler. Yeah. They gross me out. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. So we didn't shoot them. No. And the show went on. And the show went on. Um, you know, we spent – three nights out there yeah yeah um you know a lot of scoping a lot of a lot of you know trying to find i mean there was we we saw a four we saw a four by four and we saw a three by three yeah we were interested in um never really could get into a position where we could shoot them right um coming right before right before sunset one night there was a there was a pretty significant four by four that we we ran up on um, kind of the same thing. We we couldn't. By the time we got back to him, he was moving. We we couldn't get a shot off on him. Yeah, we spotted him close to the ranch road. Yeah, drove past him to not alarm him. Got our ducks in a row, backed up to him, and then jumped out to pursue him. And we were just uh, we were just thirty seconds late. Yeah, and then it was nighttime. That's right. So no luck, I don't want to say it that way, 
no dead deer. Correct. On our middle chapter of our hunt. But it, it was a wonderful place to be. It was a wonderful experience. That was cool, wasn't it? It was a cool spot. It was cool. I really enjoyed that. Just exploring new places and getting to spend time, hunting season time in, in those different habitats. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But we came home with a deer tag still in your pocket. Right. Back to headquarters. Mm-hmm. And then what happened, Patrick? Well, and then, and then you know, Pete, we're, we're on our way back and... Uh, it's it, it's very similar, honestly, to kind of like the elk situation. We uh, Pete gets a text message from the other guides uh, with some photos of uh, they're heading up into the mountains because they're on their way to head to shoot some elk. Um, but on the way up, both of them at separate times, but in the same location, spot a pretty significant mule deer. That's right. So as we're almost. Back to the lodge, we get word from the crew that, like, hey, we we saw a good one this morning. And so we get back to the headquarters, powwow with everybody. Sure enough, every, everyone is confident that this deer is probably in the same area that it had been seen this in the morning. And Patrick and, say, Patrick and I say, well, we're, we'll go try to find him. Yeah. And that was our whole evening. <laughs> it was. And let me tell you, that evening hunt really tested my sanity, like my belief, my core belief that like an animal is somewhere when you're like, I, I know he's here. I so, know he's, you can only say that to yourself so many times, though, before you're like, well, shoot, is he? Right, <laughs> right. Well, and you know, the thing about it was that it wasn't up. It wasn't up in the hills. It wasn't up in the mountains. It was it prairie. was the base, of, yeah. and it's in the prairie. So it's 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 rolling. It's grassy, um, and we knew exactly where he was. And it feels wide open. Like if, when you you're on the land, when you're on the landscape. You're like, man, I can see everything right. within five miles. Right. But you can't. No. You know. So we drove up. We drove up the first road where we should be able to spot him. Spent a bunch of time just glassing. kind of posted up. Yeah, we're like, let's just wait. Doe here, doe there. Nothing, nothing really much. Time goes by, and we we want to change up our angle. Right. So we swing around further south, drive up, um, park on the other side of kind of a a, a little bit of a of a a gulch, um, and we're like, we're gonna we're gonna hike it. Yeah, I think it got us within like. A thousand yards of his last known location, and I was like, "Hey, look, we're let's grab our stuff." And we're the wind was in our face, and I was like, "We're just gonna slowly, kind of tiptoe towards this thing, H- hypothetical thing." Nothing, nothing. I, I mean, mean, we, were we go, we go right yards. to where we think this thing should be bedded. Right. Nothing. Nothing. And and it's it's maybe thigh high deep grass, fairly. Oh, it ain't even that deep. And it's not even thick. Yeah, I mean, you you feel like, like be you hard for see it feels forever. like a it'd be hard for a coyote to hide out there. Right, exactly. Let alone a big buck. Right. <sighs> so we can't find him. No. Nothing left to do but to continue working your angles of the uh, target area until power hour, until that, until the final forty-five minutes of your of your evening hunt. 
And man, he I think it was later than that. No, it was it was twenty minutes from Shooting last light? shot. Yeah. When you shot him. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably thirty minutes from shooting light. Yeah. He pops up. Uh, yeah, he pops up right where he's supposed to be. All day long. Didn't move. With like eight does. Yeah. To- totally mind blowing to me. Yeah. And it was just, it was a, a reminder to me as a hunter that you you can't see as much as you think you're seeing. Mm-hmm. You don't know the whole story. Like you don't know everything. Right. Even when it looks like you should or you do. Yeah. By God, he was right there. All day long. <laughs> Didn't move. No. So we got to make it. He sees us when we see him. And he's at 400 yards. I'm talking about the first view we had from him. Yeah. Was that, did I range him there? Yeah. You ranged him right there at 400. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. It, but he was pegged on us. Yeah. And I was like, we got to back. I immediately wanted to back off him and get out of sight. Have him calm down and to button hook around for a final approach and a shot. Right. And we did that. And, you know, as soon as he's out of sight, it's like, hope. Oh, he's a smart buck. He's not, not a big buck for being dumb. He was, yeah. Hope he sits tight for 10 minutes while we get into another position on him. We're getting in position on him and comes a point where we have to jump a fence. <laughs> I'll let you tell this part of the well, story. Well, you know, we're going – I'm in front. We're jumping from Pete, one Pete, pasture to another pasture. Pete's, Pete's parking the truck, and we're, we're trying to get out. And I'm out first, and I'm trying to get over this fence. I've got just the rifle with me. Um, it's, it is on safety. I'm, I feel – It's unloaded and on safety. Right. Let's just put the details out there. <laughs> and still looked bad. It's, well, so, you know, at this point, I know that the deer is probably moving. Like I need to get over this fence. Oh, we knew he, we knew he was mo- we knew he was headed into this draw, right? And we had to catch up to him before shooting light. And when he disappeared into this draw, it was races to the edge of the draw for us. Exactly. To try to get a shot. And you know, I I'm trying to get over this fence. It's got a it's got a crossbar. It's a it's a it's a barbed wire fence, but it it does have a, a wood crossbar. And at some point, I realized that I either need to get over this or um, we're not going to push through it, right? <laughs> and so I just send it, and I know that I'm going to fall, but I'd rather get over it and then deal with that situation, yeah. Um, versus trying to spend another thirty seconds trying to to gracefully get over this thing. What I see is you climbing. You know, you have your. This is just bad. If children listening to this, this is not <laughs> how you cross a fence with a firearm. And I say again, it was unloaded and on safety. Patrick is soloing over this fence and you get to the top, you know, kind of where you have to commit to going over and you committed. I see you do this push off and your toe catches the yep. the top strand of barbed wire and you nose dive into the snow and into the prairie. And then this is like happening in slow motion in front of me. I'm like, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> But you weren't. Nope. Popped right up. It was pretty graceful. Like, I think you, like, landed with three points of contact and protected the rifle and were right back up. And I was like, oh, my God, he's alive. I joined you. I jumped over the fence. Didn't catch my toe. No. You made it over gracefully. And Uh now we're running. 
we're running to the edge of this can this yep. uh, coolie yep. that we know the buck's in. And we, we both think that he's going to be basically just below us uh, on the way down. We figured he dropped in and just took a break. Yeah, we're, we're tiptoeing up to the edge of this coolie like Elmer Fudd, like gun in hand, like, get ready. He's right here. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be 50 yards or something right below us here. And we get to the edge of the coolie, and he's not there. No, he's not. And I'm looking left, and he's not left. And I'm looking down, and I'm like, is this is this bugger hiding 20 yards? Like, did he just tuck in right underneath me? Nope. Finally, I've opened my eyes up, and I see this buck, other side of the coolie, going up the hill. Yep. And what looks like, uh, you probably know this if you've ever – hunted an animal in low light you know things look further away than they are and he, so with the he naked, looked he looked 300 400 plus yards away. 400 easy when i seen him with the naked eye i was like the deer's 400 yards away and i <laughs> this is all happening so fast well you, as soon as you see him you you point out where he's at and you tell me to hit the ground yeah so as soon as i do that you're you're on your your uh, rangefinder trying to figure out exactly how far he is away. Yeah, and my first laser beam shot was not accurate. I shot over this buck, and I think the rangefinder said like four ten. And I said that to you, mm-hmm. and I'm like four ten, you know, getting you to dial and get set up. And then I, you know, continue to range him. As you do, yeah. you know, you range and range and range and range and range. And all of a sudden, I'm getting back 175, 185, 190. I'm like, forget what I said before. He's 200 yards. Without hesitation, you zeroed the scope, the turret, yeah. and you found him. Yeah. And this buck, just like mule deer do, Stopped and looked back. Looked back at us. Yep. So what are you seeing at this point? So I've got the scope. Not only not only did I have it originally uh, turreted at 400 yards, but I also had the, the magnification at 4X. Minimum. Minimum. The scope goes from what, 4, four to 25? Yeah, 25, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, which I had on the elk too. But once I found them, we so dialed it all the way up. Zoomed it right in. Right in. Right, so right on him. So I'm still at 4x on this mule deer, um, laying there on the ground, and, and Pete calls out 190. So I picked the turret up. Once I got it right, <laughs> rotated it all the way back down to zero because it's zero to 200. Yards. Zero to 200 yards, yeah. Um, rotated it all the way back to zero, locked it in place, didn't even zoom in, left it at the 4x, pulled the trigger. What did you see? Mostly, what was your field of view? Mostly, it was a lot of it was snow. a lot of snow, <laughs> and there was a there was a there was a mule deer in the middle there somewhere right on <laughs> right on the crosshairs, but it was not a very big deer at that point. <laughs> I joked today that four X probably made it look further away than real life. It was zero not a big X. deer. It was not a big deer at that. Well, point. it was a big. It, yeah, in your scope. No. So you no. you had a small, although it was two hundred yards at four X. A bit of a small target in your crosshairs. Yep. And you thumped him. It it was a sound I've never 
experienced in my life. What gun were you shooting? So we're shooting a 300 Win Mag yeah. with a 210 grain bullet. Deadly. It it sounded like a bus hitting something. Yeah, it was one of the more violent, audible uh, impacts I've ever heard. And I had, again, muffed my ears with my hands as you shot, as I try to do. And um, through my hands, it did. It sounded like we've talked about this it sounded like uh you know if you hung a carpet up to dry or to clean and then you hit it with a two by four yeah like the wallop yeah in the immediate buckling of all four legs i mean he just he just fell over i I think he was i think he was dead before he hit the snow he was it was immediate gratification uh no track job. Didn't go 20. Didn't go one. No, he didn't go one. No. No, he didn't. And uh, we made our way around to him. We yeah. drove around the, the coulee and got to him right after dark. And just a beautiful, mature, mainframe, three-by-three three mule deer buck with proper inch-and-a-half eye guards. Yeah. Be- Gorgeous deer. Beautiful deer. And just a lunker. Oh, his neck? I... I- I've seen some South Texas deer with some big necks on yeah. him, but I've never seen something like this. Yeah, yeah. He was the NFL version of a of a buck deer. He didn't miss a meal. He sure didn't. No. And when we got him back to the shop and hung him up and uh, sawzalled his sternum and opened him up yeah. wide open and cut his esophagus out, uh, there's like two inches of fat yeah. on his brisket. Insane. Well-fed Montana deer. Yeah. You happy with them? This this was this has been a trip of a lifetime. It really has. Well, we ain't done yet. No. You got your tags punched. Yep. We got all the meat in all the right places. We donated uh, some mule deer meat this morning. Yeah. To the family of veterans. And and by the way, that that opportunity is a wonderful thing that that Montana offers. Yeah. Shouts out Yellowstone Meat Processing for uh, facilitating that and for uh, hosting an area where nonprofits can come in and sportsmen can come in and uh, donate to no cost to the sportsmen. Right. Donate wild game to families in need. So it is, I do it every year. It's great. It's a great program. It really is. And you already have hundreds of pounds of elk meat to get back to texas so it was a it was an easy uh contribution it was yeah it was i can't wait to see where you put your antlers in your uh in your texas home it's gonna look so good me too when we sat down for this podcast i told you we were going to talk about shotguns and uh skeet and trap Mm -hmm. and sporting clays right am i missing one nope that's that's it it. yeah but I think we're going to have to record that one tomorrow. Okay. Good hunting with you, brother. It was amazing. I can't wait to see you next month at Coal Fest. Yeah, it's going to be awesome.